welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Emma, and I am your host for today, and I have a very special guest with me. Would you like to introduce yourself for me, please? Hey, Emma. Um, My name is Christine. I'm Christine Pillanigam, and I'm the author of um, the upcoming YA novel, L.A. Pillay is Brown. Amazing. And I have had the very lucky opportunity to get my hands on a beautiful advanced copy, which I tore through in no time. So we're going to have a little chat about that today. Now, I'm very ashamed to say it took me much longer than it should have to figure out that Ellie shares part of your surname. So how much is this kind of an homage to your younger self? So it's definitely a an own voices story so it's definitely kind of based partly on my own experience as somebody that kind of grew up in an area that wasn't particularly diverse as a person of colour in a sort of really rural community so there's definitely lots of kind of comparisons and parallels but I mean it's not really homage per se I mean I definitely wouldn't say it's exactly the sort of story of my life growing up but I would say that it is definitely something that I wrote for myself at 15. So it's an homage in the sense of it was the book that I really wished I'd had when I was growing up and that I could have seen somebody like me being kind of the hero of the story, being the kind of lead and seeing someone that kind of looked, you know, not dissimilar to me on the cover of the book. So I did kind of really struggle because weirdly enough, I wrote, I started writing the character of Ellie Pile about 20 years ago when I first graduated from university. But she was at that point a also someone that was graduating from university so she was a bit older than the Ellie that's in the book that I've written now but yes I just kind of I didn't really kind of do I guess I, guess I didn't really think about the fact that the, the surname was the same and I did have a moment when I kind of like put my name down and kind of sent it off and submitted it to agents when I thought oh wow it's actually going to sound really like it's an autobiography which it is not <laughs> to go to your, back to your point but Pele is actually so my surname is a very, very traditional kind of Tamil surname. So Tamil surnames tend to be number one very long, but the sort of the bit at the end that I again is something that is often added to Tamil names when people become Catholic. So years ago, kind of generations ago, my family would have been Palais. So I guess that was kind of somewhere must have been subconsciously in the back of, of my mind. But yeah, it was absolutely um, sort of, inspired I guess by some of my own experiences but massively just about trying to talk to myself at 15 and talk to other people out there who may still have those feelings of maybe just not being quite represented not really sort of seeing themselves in the world not really seeing a sort of mirror for themselves and just wanting to kind of provide that I guess. Absolutely and I think one of my favorite things about the book was the diverse range of characters and how they all kind of within their own kind of character profiles provide something for everyone to relate to. So with that kind of diverse range, how important do you feel it is, particularly for the younger generation, to have that kind of spectrum of characters to read about and to also then see themselves in? I think it's really important. I mean, it's really the reason I got into writing in the first place. 
The reason I think it's important is because I think it's real life. I think that's what the world is. It's full of like diverse characters and, you know, people from all different kinds of backgrounds who think different things. And I think it's really important that people sort of see themselves in the world around them. I think you can grow up, particularly as a young person, feeling a bit invisible and a bit unseen if you don't see yourself in books and films and music and sort of see places that you could get to and places you could be. So I definitely, I didn't really go into it with any kind of intention of writing lots of diverse characters. It's just sort of where the story took me. Um, I sort of started with with Ellie and with wanting to sort of, I guess, as I said before, like tell a story that I felt was really important, but it really just poured out and all the characters just kind of kind of came together. And I think, you know, I can see parts of myself in all the characters. So whether it's kind of James, who's like the kind of, you know, might appear like a bit of a sort of perfect kind of jock, kind of sports guy, but actually is a bit more sensitive than that, is, is very funny. Or whether it's Ellie's mum, who I hugely see lots of myself in, in terms of like that first generation or second generation immigrant that's trying to bring up their kids and is trying to kind of do things a bit different to the way that their parents did it but actually finding as they get older that you know they do sort of shift back into that pattern of being a bit like their parents and doing those things and um so yeah I saw myself in a lot of the characters but I certainly I didn't aim to write a book that felt diverse I aimed to write a book that really just felt like it represented the way that the world is kind of now because I, I think that you know there's always been lots of people you know, who don't necessarily fit into that kind of perfect perception of what, you know, you should be at 15. And I think that, you know, the more that we can just show what real life is like, better it is really, because it just makes that just as aspirational to just be yourself as it is to be the kind of blonde, blue eyed, five foot 10 cheerleader. You know, it should be just as aspirational to just be the best version of who you actually are. Yeah, I completely agree. That's such an important message and definitely one that I felt came across really well. I love that you've... Thank uh, you. You're very welcome. Um, <laughs> I love that you mentioned kind of that representation in music, um, which obviously plays a massive part of Ellie's life throughout the book. And I thought it was a great juxtaposition of she's obviously living in a, in a modern day contemporary society, but is listening to music that kind of you'd expect her parents' generation to have listened to. So was that the same for you growing up? Did you have quite a, a close connection with music? I know we've got a bit more music news to get to later. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think I was somebody that absolutely like found myself and expressed myself through music. And I kind of feel like from as, as young as I can remember, I always felt really connected to like music and sound. And I always remember like my dad used to have this record player that you were just not allowed to touch. It was sort of, you know, it was off limits. It was sort of like the one really expensive thing that we had in our house. And I would like, when my parents went out, I used to kind of lock myself into this little room with this record player and put all these records on and feel, you know, and I'd kind of dance around the room and I'd feel really alive. And then I kind of very quietly, you know, sort of give the record a bit of a clean and put it back in the sleeve and pretend I'd not been in there. But I just remember from the day dot just being really kind of just feeling like really taken away and captured by music. And sometimes I think particularly because of my age and I'm part of that kind of MTV generation of like sort of seeing music videos. And so when you would listen to songs, you'd feel like you were in a music video. And sometimes it could just take you away from 
you know, situations that were difficult or traumatic or it, it just really helped me. So I was definitely that person that was permanently had my earphones in or my headphones on. And I traveled a really long way to get to school as well. I had I got a bus that took two hours in each direction. So I was on the bus for like four hours a day. So there was really, you know, this is back in the day before, you know, you had like phones and stuff so you had nothing to do really other than you know read just 17 magazine and kind of listen to your Walkman so yeah music was really really important to me growing up I was about to say with that bus journey your Spotify wrapped would have shown a very impressive amount of time listening <laughs> yeah definitely I dread to think what would have been on my Spotify wrapped if it had existed like in the 90s some very bad stuff <laughs> oh no there's no- nothing better than 90s music I think that is true. Although I guess in the 90s, weirdly, I listen to more 90s music now than I did in the 90s. In the 90s, I was in totally into like Motown and, you know, just like 70s rock. And yeah, didn't really listen to anything kind of contemporary at the time. But I mean, I absolutely love Britpop now. So. Oh, 100%. So with with all of that music inspiration, you have been multi-talented and just keeping yourself super busy and have created an album to accompany the beautiful novel that you have so talk us uh, through that a little bit about the process of kind of songwriting um, and I'd be really curious to know which which came first so it was definitely the book that came first I'd had this idea in the back of my head for years and years about doing a book that had music in it partly because I think like I think of books as like a kind of broadcast medium like they sort of especially now you know we always want to like find ways of like taking you know whatever we're reading and making it like feel bigger and more immersive and you know it's kind of what happens a lot when books get kind of made into films and stuff like that and I guess you know I quite often would put together a playlist that would sit with a book so I don't know, for instance, like when I was reading Normal People, before they made it into, you know, made it into a kind of a BBC adaptation, I definitely had a bunch of songs that I used to listen to when I was reading that book. So for a really long time, I just had this idea of actually writing songs that belonged in a book and kind of giving it a soundtrack, um, if you like. And yeah, I guess like when I started writing Ellie, she became a singer-songwriter just really quickly as I was kind of writing it and it just sort of poured out and it just kind of made sense to me that as somebody in the book who is someone that really is so connected to music and and sort of like really does express herself even if it's quite internally um using music it kind of made sense that I kind of made the songs in it real so to begin with I was just like writing these kind of random lyrics that sort of sat alongside the book and then I kind of thought maybe I should just really so I wrote the chapter which are kind of song chapters before I actually wrote any music and then they kind of in a weird way gave me a sort of I guess like a structure to work to so if I'd said oh it's a pop song or it's a ballad or whatever it was I would sit down and I would start kind of playing around with it and yeah I guess at that point I just wanted to make those kind of songs come to life and yeah from a completely selfish point of view I've always wanted to do something with music I never have before so it just felt like a really good opportunity to kind of fulfill two dreams in one if you like so that's kind of it start always started with the book but then I kind of thought it would be fun to bring the book to life a bit more and that's kind of when I started writing the songs and yeah so that's that's kind of exciting and hopefully 
that's all kind of coming together and that's going to be out on Spotify and various other platforms about the end of March. So, you know, about a month before the book hits the shelves. Amazing. And yes, I've had the very lucky, lucky opportunity again to be listening to that and having read the book before having listened to the album, it is 100% there and it makes it so much, it just kind of solidifies all of the imagery that the book evokes, then hearing it in in the songs, particularly Give Me a Minute, I just feel like matches Ellie to a T. Like you can just, <laughs> I can see her, you know, walking to school and just having this either in her head or like you say, playing as if it was was going to be an adaptation. I think it, it just matches uh, beautifully together. So it will be interesting to see what everybody thinks going the other way, having the album before the book, but hopefully that'll give them a great taste of what's to come. And in terms of the creative process, did you find there was any kind of overlap between kind of writing prose to writing lyrics and then all the melody creation or was it kind of did it sit completely separately for you? I mean I'm always somebody when I write songs that I always start with the music and I always start with kind of tune and then the lyrics kind of come. I think in a weird way it was easier to write so I've been writing songs forever but like literally just you know for myself (laughs) so I'm not sure that I'm kind of quite nervous about actually putting them out there because I've never really put anything that's that sort of personal out there but in a weird way because I think they're Ellie's songs they're not mine and they're written from her point of view so in some respects it was sort of it was easier to write the lyrics because I knew what the song was going to be about like there was there would be a kind of break in the book and a moment where she was feeling something and then I would kind of I'd play around and I'd find whatever the tune would be so I'd start with just like chords of whether it was going to be major or minor you know what was the kind of mood of it And then it kind of helped me to write the lyrics because I was kind of writing them from her sort of point of view. And it was about like her journey at that particular point in the book. So the lyrics are really supposed to kind of just solidify for the reader, you know, where she's at and what she's feeling. So, yeah, from a kind of creative process wise, like the lyrics kind of felt more naturally equated with the book. And I kind of like I said, I sort of like I wrote sort of the the lyrics to give me a minute before I wrote the actual song itself. So it's kind of, in some ways, a bit like the other way around for me, because normally I wouldn't do that. But yeah, from a creative kind of point of view, it was just like really satisfying actually to see all of those kind of elements coming together and actually kind of creating something. But it was it was a bit like writing to a brief, I guess, in a way, rather than just writing something that you feel in that moment. You know you're writing to kind of a specific thing and that kind of changed it, I guess. It's interesting the more you talk about it about kind of the songs coming as a natural break in the um in the prose the more I'm just hearing a West End musical forming somewhere in the background <laughs> oh if only if only that's like my you've just you've just like hit upon my deepest dream there Emma I'm just like I would absolutely love that but yeah absolutely I just think it is just about music elevates sort of words in that way so it's, it's quite interesting Well, that's it for part one. Emma will be back talking to Christine in part two, which is coming to you very shortly. But until then, all I have to say is to take care, to stay safe, but most importantly, to keep on reading.